everyone, and welcome to the first podcast episode of Representation in Cinema. We're talking about movies and the representation of Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color in, in those. This podcast is hosted by Our Voices Project. We provide a safe space and platform for Black people, Indigenous people, and people of color to share experiences that have shaped them into the people they are today through visual storytelling. Our goal is to dismantle destructive stereotypes of minority groups perpetuated in the media by providing educational resources across marginalized groups brought on by the stories that we share. Our Voices Project is also a committed community partner providing opportunities in line with the New York State culturally responsive sustaining education framework to help educators design and implement a student-centered learning environment that affirms racial and cultural identities empower students as agents of social change and contributes to an individual's engagement, learning, growth, and achievement through cultivation of critical thinking. I'm Jacqueline McGriff, the director and producer for Our Voices Project, and joining me in our discussion is Deborah Alvarez, our amazing cinematographer and editor. Welcome, Deb. <laughs> Thank you. Yeah. Oh, you want so you wanted me to like elaborate a little bit? Or are you good? <laughs> no, I think I think we're good. unless you want unless you want uh, you know viewers and listeners to know like a fun fact, like what if there's anything you like you want us to know? Yeah, play the ukulele. <laughs> Woo! Awesome. There you go. We got our ukulele playing cinematographer and editor. Welcome, Deb. Um, and then we are also being joined by Dr. Katrina Overby. She is an assistant professor in the School of Communication at RIT. Welcome, Katrina. Thank you so much. And I don't play the ukulele, but I do play sports. And so it is now sports season. Volleyball and softball are a foot. So I'm so happy to be here to have this conversation. We're happy to have you. Thank you so much. Awesome. Um, as an activist scholar, Dr. Overby researches Black Twitter, social media and culture, African-American cinema, race and identity in television and popular culture and sports media. She is a Black film and media enthusiast and worked at the Black Film Center an archive located at Indiana University where she received her doctorate in 2019. In 2021, Dr. Overby published the article Red Bottoms, Gold and Ass, the work of Serena Williams on the cover of Harper's Bazaar and a co-authored book chapter, Black and Quarantine, celebrating Black identity during COVID-19 via Instagram. All right, so let's get started. Now, for those of you who are unfamiliar with Attack the Block, it is a 2011 sci-fi comedy film starring John Boyega, who you know from the most recent Star Wars films. By the way, um, happy belated Star Wars Day, as well as Revenge of the Fifth. All right, and <laughs> the film is directed by Joe Cornish. It follows a group of teenagers from South London who have to defend their block against a ton of aliens and thus mayhem ensues. So if you haven't watched the film already, you can watch it on Stars right now and then come back to listen or watch the podcast. From here on out though, we'll be discussing the film in depth. So spoilers ahead, you have been warned. All right, so I wanna get initial thoughts. What's one thing that you enjoyed the most from this film? We'll start with Katrina. I think I just wanted to start with something that was said by Moses and sort of a funny gist, but I remember just laughing extremely hard at this moment when um, I think Sam is wondering why they're going to be safe at Tia's house, you know, besides the fact that they have a sort of a gate on the door, but he said, 
if you've ever seen those girls fight, you wouldn't be asking that question. (laughs) I just found that to be so hilarious. Like now we're going to go shack up with the girls because they know what they're doing. They've got a gate and they know how to fight. So if we really want to be safe and protected, we're about to go hang out with Tia and Dimples and the rest of them, you know, up in their apartment, you know, what they, you know, are in their flat, as they say in the movie. So that's just one thing that sort of stuck with me. I was like, I love that line. I love that. <laughs> uh, Deb, you? Yeah, so I think for me, I like the dynamic of Moses and uh, the girl that, um, Let's see. Oh yeah, Sam. So Moses and Sam, I liked their dynamic. Um, It was interesting because in the beginning they were kind of like, they were strangers. They were kind of against each other. And then like later on, you see them really bond and like all these, there's like certain stereotypes that are like broken. And it's just like, there's really great dialogue throughout the film. Um, And so I think, I think that was really what stuck out to me. And just the pacing, like the pacing was really nice. Like there was a lot of action going on. And so I was always like in tune to like what the next thing was gonna happen. I'm like, what is actually gonna happen next? Like, are they gonna survive? And the, and the aliens were crazy. Like, <laughs> I was not expecting the aliens to look like that. If you go to, you know, checking out the right. film, but yeah, it was, there was just a lot, but it was great. I loved it. Um, see, so one thing that always sticks out to me is, um, it's just like how funny it is because like when I think about this film, I automatically think of, it's a sci-fi film. I call it a sci-fi film. It's technically a sci-fi comedy. And Mm -hmm. like when going back and watching this movie, I do realize how many funny parts there is. I mean, there's like so many serious parts, but then there are also hilarious parts I think, um, so <laughs> one that always just makes me laugh, one thing that always makes me laugh is um, when they are over, so we're all, they're over Sam's apartment or flat. Um, so they're over Sam's flat and, um, you know, they're asking her like to help help them because, you know, of course, like their friend got bitten, you know, by, a, by an alien and everything. And so she's talking about, they're like talking about the neighborhood and someone goes like, what's wrong with the neighborhood? And I was like, bro, you kind of did this thing. That was awful. And I'm just like, I just, I just love that though. Cause like the humor in that and like the irony and it's just like, that's why it's also a comedy here is because, and then there's also so many other things, um, you know, but we'll get into that um, like, you know, further along in our discussion. So uh, another thing too that I want to point out, of course, like of course, if you're listening or watching and you've never watched Attack the Block, um, with it being a sci-fi comedy, there's also so much that is underneath the surface. So I really wanted to get into the symbolism behind this film. And so starting with, um, so some of the, not necessarily critiques, but, but, but some of the opinions just are regarding like what that symbolism is. So some have theorized that the aliens symbolize the cops. The aliens only seem to be chasing the boys and anyone with them. And at some point, the states, this is the block. We take care of things our own way. After it suggested that they call the cops. Now, do you agree with that theory? Why or why not? that I can see this as being symbolic of maybe what it's like to live in a police state 
when you feel as if there's something larger happening and uh, to you and the people you care about, but no one seems to be concerned about that. They're more so concerned about policing you and controlling you and disciplining you. And it's almost as if no one can see what's happening to them except for them. And so I can see that standing in for some, you know, symbolically because sometimes that's how black people, black men, black women have felt in America, black trans folks, black queer folks, that things are happening to them, but no one around them seems to be able to know or happen until you get in the thick of it with them. So Sam is able to see it because she got caught up in the mix. The police in the beginning end up yeah. becoming a byproduct uh, and getting killed because they're trying to, take um you know Moses into custody and so I do see the symbolism there what it feels like to be uh what it seems like to be invisible when things around you are exploding and you're wondering how no one else can see it so yeah yeah I can I can add on to that because I completely agree with you Katrina like there was definitely a lot of symbolism incorporating that and that it was definitely it was great that they portrayed it in that way because it was something something that I was like, you know what? Like I can see the subtle like symbolism and like the parallels of just like the police, especially in Rochester, because it's just been crazy. Um, and just how the block wasn't there was no news coverage on the block. Like no one outside of the block knew mm -hmm. what was going on. So it's like, yeah. it really showed that invisibility and like the fact that they were really felt like they were on their own, essentially like fighting <laughs> the aliens. Yeah. So yeah. yeah, I definitely can see that. Yeah. And like, so a couple of like other interesting things too, is like, it's only happening Right, and of course, hence the film is called Attack the Black. Um, it's only happening on one specific area. And so it's like, okay, like you, I, I started to wonder when I first started watching it or when I first watched it, I was like, well, maybe it's just like, like a focused thing. And maybe there's other blocks around that that's also happening, but we're getting a specific block. But of course, it doesn't matter because it's happening and they're not getting the help that they need and then also the second thing to that is like, they're telling people within their own block that, hey, this thing is happening. Why would we make this up? Like, like this is a real thing. Also, like when they say to Sam, listen, this is not, does that look like a dog to you? Like we're, we saw what we saw, you know, right. very real thing that's happening. This is what's going on. We need help. Um, and then the, again, the fact that they can't go to the cops because like, you know, they're going to get, there's going to be other consequences that come from that with going to the cops. And this is also something mm -hmm. that other things happen on the regular in which they're not being believed and instead are incriminated. So right. like, there's just like so many different things um, to speak to that. I mean, you can see that with, with current events again and again and again, things, and that you alluded to this Katrina as well, like there are often things that we're talking about within our own community. And we're like, Oh, now you're surprised. We've been telling you for years and years and years that this is a thing that is right. happening, and you don't believe it until someone who looks like you is who mm -hmm. a black American or is not like a black or brown person, right? Until someone tells you, oh no, this is actually going on. It's only then when we see mm -hmm. change, and even then, like it's you know, it's crumbs. It's not anything that's like going to move the needle forward. It's just mm. take a few steps 
forward and then and then you know real a few t- steps back because again of course like you know this is just what happens in this part of town it's not going to happen anywhere else and so it's like you know whatever it is you're complaining about it's not really worth our time because it's not threatening anybody else and so like yeah. there's so many that i feel like we could just fill up the our entire the entire um episode <laughs> with that point alone um and so there is also another interesting conversation that happens um, when the kids are talking about um, and like and like I said, like this this next question, like it we can go back and forth, you know, between the two. But there is this other conversation that's happening with the kids, and they're sitting around, and you know, one of the kids theorizes that these aliens were sent by the government to like, mm-hmm. you know, like to wipe them out. There's, right. Yeah. So like. When you hear that, when they're talking about that, what real world situations come to mind when you think of this? And like, do you think that this aligns with anything that we've seen in the news and or in our history? Well, I believe that uh, Moses's character sort of points those things out. Like first it was drugs that got Mm -hmm. dropped into the block. Then it was guns that got dropped into the block. Now it's monsters getting dropped into the block. And I think, you know, early on in the film, I'm sort of like, they don't seem surprised to be dealing with an alien. They're like, we could probably get some money from this, but we can't go to the FBI. Let's try to stash it, you know, at the quote unquote weed house for now (laughs) until we can figure out what to do to make some money from it. But no one's really actually scared. And I think also that is a that is a parallel and symbolism for people when they have things constantly happening to them and are no longer surprised yeah. about what they might encounter, what they might see. And so you would expect kids to probably be like freaking out, but they're not. They're like, this is just something else we have to deal with. What are we going to do? And you sort of have this conversation with one of the characters and Sam as they're walking up the stairs and she's like, you know, we got to do this and do that. And he's like, this is just another day around here, almost, you know, right. trying to dodge getting uh, beat down or, you know, jumped. It's just another day, you know, at the block. And so, mm-hmm. you know, to, to see that happening. And so I do, you know, like that moment where he mentions, like, it feels like they're trying to wipe us out specifically because it's not going for anyone else, but this isn't anything right. new. It's similar to the drugs and the, and the, and the guns. And he literally says we weren't, mm-hmm doing it quick enough, killing ourselves. So they've decided to speed up the process, you know, in the film. So yeah. he does take it there in that moment, so. Yeah, and it's like, I think it's just something like that's so poignant. Like that every single time I've watched this, I'm just like, and there it is. And I think the interesting thing too is often, and I don't watch a ton of comedies, but like the comedies that I have watched, um, that has just like meant the most to me is like, and they do like what other genres do, right? Like you have your surface level, your surface level plot, and then there, but there's a deeper meaning. And at some point there's a character or characters who say something that is the very like point that the, the screenwriter, the director, um, you know, filmmakers behind the film are like trying to point out to you. Um, and so like, just them like having this conversation talking about like, yeah, this is a, whether it's monsters, whether it's drugs, whether it's like something else, this is a regular occurrence for us. This is what we're constantly having to do. We're constantly having to defend the block. So it's not just, 
be the block against monsters, it's the fin block against cops. You know, we take we take care of our own and we're having to because of like all the things that have been happening, you know, to our block and because we're seen as less than and everything, or we're seen automatically as criminals, you know, we just have to take matters into our own hands. Um, and I think that I think the film like does an amazing job of that, like on the because again on the surface level you're just like okay it's an alien, it's another alien invasion movie, but what this really gets down to is like talking about racial inequities, talking about police brutality, it's talking about uh, class because I know it also too like with um, with the 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 conversation I've seen had you know a, you know with within you know within the U.S. versus within the U.K. There are similar, you know, there are similar experiences, but over there, it's also too, like a lot of what happens is not just race, but also class. And of course, like, again, basis is race and that's how we're similar. There's also this question of right. as in like how you're treated, like based on that. Um, so I think it's a very, again, a very poignant thing to like make, um, a po- like a, a very profound statement to make, even though like, you know, it's it's a very much a reality. Um, also having it, you know, just embedded within this 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 sci-fi, you know, comedic narrative, I think is is a great thing. Um, how do you, you know, how do you interpret it? Deb? How do, like what real real world or historical situations come to mind when you think of that? Well, definitely. I mean, I automatically thought of the protests in Rochester. <laughs> I'm not gonna lie, because um, we were, you know, Jackie were a part of that a little bit, but um, it just definitely painted this picture of like, okay, they're pointing out blatantly <laughs> that there's a parallel going on, and that this is what it really means. But like, not everyone may catch that. Not everyone may see that. Um, I mean, I saw it, like, I definitely think that that movie was important to make because even though it was like a comedy sci-fi, like, I believe that that definitely was something that needed to be heard, needed to be shared, like people seeing these characters and they weren't really well known at the time, were they? I don't think. So they were, I think, I think it's John Boyega's like first, I believe. You can correct me if I'm wrong. Anyone who's Oh yeah, it was his first. Um, yeah. Yes, I think I believe it was his first film. Um also the other cast. Yes, yes. And of course, like there's Nick Frost. Um right. we know from um what so it's called the Coronado uh, trilogy um, by Edgar Wright. So, you know, he's been in Shaun of the Dead and Hot Fuzz and um right. uh, The World's End, you know, so those are comedy films, which also like don't make these like certain points about you know things more more personal things um but still like yeah that's very it's very much in like in keeping like with the other you know comedy films that Nick Frost has been in and everything like that and of course and her her name all of a sudden escapes me but Sam is also the most recent Doctor Who um so yeah so she's also been in um Uh, what is it? It's Broadchurch. So it was a okay. oh, wow. series. Yes, called mm-hmm. Broadchurch. Um, but yeah, I know that the 
the younger folks in the cast, they found them at, from like a drama studio. I was watching a little clip about them on YouTube and how, you know, because one of the other characters, the one that played Dennis was actually originally casting to be or auditioning to be Moses. Oh, and then okay. John Boyega steps into that into that role <laughs> and so a lot of them were they wanted they said they were seeking like first-time actors mm-hmm. and actually like from the streets though like some actual kids and oh, and yeah. some that were in drama class or drama studios and so they wanted to get folks who were sort of fresh yeah no absolutely and I love when I love when directors do that when they bring in mm-hmm. yeah. advocating for unknowns I was like listen do not need <laughs> Timothy Chalamet, okay? Because I, right. <laughs> listen, y'all cast him in thing, okay? Get Jarrell Jer- get Jerome in here, okay? Right. Um, I can go, again, I can go on a whole rant about like, <laughs> who, because this is ridiculous. Um, But yeah, and I think that was the movie that J.J. Abrams, I think, pointed back to when he was casting for Star Wars, he saw Attack the Clock and he was like, I need John Boyega in this movie yeah. um, or in these movies. And so like, yeah, it's just, it's just amazing. Like how, like the progression of that. Um, and of course, like I'm always, you know, advocating for, um, you know, unknowns to get more roles, especially our black and brown actors because they're often overlooked. And again, going back to like, you know, people, constantly of the same people constantly being recast in other movies and like, okay there's other people out there like <laughs> I was gonna say I also like that John Boyega is actually this person in real life too he is yeah save the block type of person because yeah. Yeah. a lot of people didn't know yeah. he was out in the streets protesting yeah so they had some pictures because he exactly. was wearing a bandana over his back he was out there just trying to do the work with the people on the low and he's like the main star of yeah. you know and so He's yeah. actually this person in real life as well. And right. so I think right. for me to like be able to see him in his prime and him mm-hmm. taking on this role and he was so excited about it. And, you know, uh, again, just the messages that come out, like it's clear that John Boyega is like this guy and he's been sort of building up to be this person, not just in film, but also in his real life. You know, yeah. so I think that those parallels are awesome as well. Exactly, exactly. Um, and like, I believe he's working on a, program for young black filmmakers as well like he's mentioned awesome. filmmakers and so he's been like putting it you know not that I'm stalking at all I am <laughs> um, I like but like I mean yeah to like see him then like go on and like mentor these these you know young filmmakers you know to make the story that they want to make as well as is also very it also mm-hmm. aligns with what you were saying, Katrina, just about like him being that dude, right? right. That's, you know, putting it into practice. He's not just like acting it out. Mm-hmm. He is this person in real life. So yeah, right. no, that is amazing. Um, so speaking of, speaking of his character, speaking of John Boyega, um, Moses, um, here's the thing that I want, a question that I wanted to pose to, to both of you, because often... I will think about two, like just like the characterization, the character development, and everything like that. Um, now, when we first, when the when the teens first encounter the aliens, um, you know, they're all going back to the, they're going to decide they're decided that they're going to defend their blocks. So they're going back to the, their respective apartments and they're they're looking for like weapons and stuff to use against the aliens. And when 
So we see like each of the teens go back um, and like have interactions like with their families. So we kind of get, get the dynamic like between them and their families. However, when Moses goes back, we don't see any of that. It's just like him stepping through a door and then closing the door. And then later on, once you, once, you know, the, you know, it's, it's like the finale, you know, we have all these aliens that are now coming after him. He's trying to save the rest of the block and everything like that. Um, we are finally invited into the flat and we see nothing. Like there's no one, no connection. We don't know where the parent or guardian is. It's just him. Do you think that it was, that that was important to like, or that speaks to like who he is because he is the leader of the group. And so do you think that like seeing that lack of connection, you know, especially, you know, with there not being anyone around, yeah, I think that really plays into his character. I think so. I think that like the fact that he, cause the way it was portrayed, it seemed like he basically was on his own and like had to take care of himself. So I think that definitely plays into like his leadership role and basically saying like, okay, like I got to make sure my, our, our whole group is safe. Like we got to make sure we're doing this and this, like making the decisions and um, just being that person, that leader to, I, I don't know, like a mother, like a father figure or whatever, like, just like that, like, you know, like uh, an older, older brother. Figure. Yeah. yeah. Older yeah. figure, like that's there for, for them. Um, and it's also in a way kind of sad because who looks after him? Who cares about him? I mean, his buddy, like their friends, obviously they all, you know, it's like family, honestly. Right. Um, right. But yeah, like the fact that, you know, the, we don't see his family or the pet know much about that. It's like, you know, he definitely has a lot, a lot of more weight on his shoulders, I think. Yeah. Anything to add to that, Katrina? And you sort of just get an understanding still that he's still just a kid. And I think people forget that about yeah. young black youth, even though, because Sam makes a comment that he looks older. And I'm like, mm -hmm. that's not a good thing because they don't right. like to treat our children like children. They like to treat yeah, them like yeah. adults before it's their time to be adults. He's 15. Right. He still had a Spider-Man blanket in his bedroom. She said, oh, you have a little brother. And he said, no. And it was his blanket. It was a Spider-Man blanket, right? And it was, um, you know, uh, pictures of him. And she sort of empathizes with him in this moment. But, you know, early on, they try to build up this tension, really, between him and Sam. You know, uh, she seems a fragile white woman who's, you know, sort of being taken control of, you know, or getting attacked. And then they slowly, slowly build their relationship and their friendship. And she, she starts to see him for more than what their first encounter was. And I think, again, going back to that symbolism, I think it symbolizes sometimes how people feel that if they just got to know Black people and young Black people, that they maybe wouldn't hold all of these um, preconceived notions and ideas about them. Because the elderly woman said, you know, they're a bunch of monsters, aren't they? But the real monsters were actually attacking, you know, the young black right, men, right. And the, you know, and the and the and the you know our our gang of kids in the movie, um, you know. So I do think that that plays into how his character was built, and you see him sort of take on this more fatherly role, like you said, Deb, with the uh, two yeah. younger boys that sort of come out mm -hmm. and want to fight the aliens, Prob and Mayhem. Yeah, and he's like you <laughs> all need to go home, uh, do your homework, play FIFA or Ruto. Right, and stay inside. So he's very much like, you can't hang with us, not right now. And I don't want you to 
be like us. I don't want you to hang with us. I need you to go home. You be better than us. Do your homework. Watch Naruto. You know, but you also see that these kids have a soft side to them as well when they're in these interactions with their families. Yes, mom, I love you. I'm going to make it back home in time. Again, these are kids. Right. Yeah. And so I think that's important to remember as we're having larger conversations about right. what it's like to be young youth growing up in rough, impoverished areas, that they're still just children, even though they appear to be adults, they're doing adult like things because they're hanging out with adults, they're drinking, smoking weed, all these other things. But they're children at the end of the day. So what what would things look like if we actually allowed people to treat uh, young black kids as kids? Right. Mm -hmm. Exactly, exactly. Like time and time again, like us feeling like we have to grow grow up a little just because of the way that we're treated, but also we are kids. And so to be treated as kids is almost as if like we're asking too much. Like we enjoy yeah. the same things that you enjoy. Like again, <laughs> you know, enjoying Spider-Man, enjoying comic books, you know, watching cartoons or and what have you, like at the end of the day, they're still kids. And so to not treat them as such, you know, regardless of like, you know, how you like feel that they've been brought up or, or what have you, there's at the end of the day, they're still kids. Um, they're still children. Exactly, exactly. Um, the film kind of ends, it's, I don't know. I feel like it kind of ends ambiguous, like, like, he's being like, you know, escorted, you know, into like the, the police car and he's being cheered on, you know, by, by people and everything. And finally Sam is like talking to police, like, no, like he saved my life or like, I want to drop charges, all this stuff. Yeah. Right. Then like, I still kind of wonder, and I'm like, is he going to get out? Like, are they, you know, like, I don't know. How do you think just to, in, in your own way, in your own in your own theory, like, what do you, what, if, if the film were to continue going, what do you think we might see? And of course, this is obviously, you know, um, subjective, like, <laughs> like, we don't actually know, but um, I don't know, what, well, what would you see? Yeah. I, I think in some Google searching, I thought I saw that they might have an attack the block too. Yes, it's I coming know, out. Maybe I am like, okay, but it doesn't <laughs> give us much. So I think at least we know there's some forward look. Uh, and I think in, in my mind and in my fantasy, um, you know, I don't think he's going to change who he is overnight, but that there's going to be something bigger and badder coming to now attack the block, but that maybe he's established himself as a, as a bit older and has taken in some of the younger guys in the neighborhood that they have a cool relationship with Sam now and a couple of the other folks that we saw in the building. Um, you know, in that, um, you know, he, he does get out without much repercussion, I would hope, you know, I think in my, in my fantasy and, and in my mind, and I like how sometimes there's, I almost wish this was one of those movies that had two endings, like I like movies that have two endings, like Get Out, you know, so yeah. we're talking about yeah. symbolism and right. sci-fi and, you know, Get Out had a lot of symbolism and, and, but there were two endings, right, one that sure. we, 
hoped for and one that mm-hmm. we didn't so much hope for right right so what would have yeah. been like to get two different endings to this and actually be able to see beyond um his his final arc moment which i think is people cheering him on because these are the yeah. same people who were just like you ruin everything Moses. exactly like, exactly anytime you come the, the girls you know they wanted him to come through and and uh you know they invited them into the home to try to protect them but then they were like you bring chaos with you wherever you mm-hmm. go and you mm-hmm. know they were sort of ranging down on him you know um you know until sam sort of says to him you don't have to do this he's like yes i do like no matter what people felt about him he still felt like it was his job to protect everybody and so we see his final arc with people cheering him on and he's happy Mm -hmm. about that so i would have liked to have seen him you know make it out to the next part (laughs) of what his life is post hero moment yeah right exactly yeah i try yeah I tried to tag um, <laughs> possible to try to get him on the podcast, you know, <laughs> so we can get a glimpse into like what you're thinking for, you know, uh, Attack of Block 2. Um, but yes, yes, I am also looking forward to uh, seeing, you know, kind of like what the thought process is and like what the storyline might allude to, you know, for that. Deb, uh, same thing to you. What you yeah. Say. Yeah. No, I, I think um, I would have loved to see no repercussions like that they let you know they're like okay let's I mean I could see it going like where they take him in just like you know just ask him some questions like figure out what happened and stuff and like just let him go or let him go in that moment which I think that would be amazing and then everyone's like yeah you know like they end up like (laughs) raising him and everyone's cheering like (laughs) (laughs) I would love to see that and I I do think that they're just going to be a strong, stronger team. And I think Mm -hmm. Sam, you know, Sam will probably be involved um, Mm -hmm. in more people. And I think now that the neighborhood, it was starting to realize like actually who the enemy is, it's like, then I just, I want them to see them, you know, aiding this group or like helping, like basically like forming a bigger community, like bringing the community Mm -hmm. better, closer Mm -hmm. essentially. Yeah. So, yeah. Mm. I feel like I'm like opening up a whole nother candle because like when we talk about symbolism, right? We also yeah. didn't talk about this idea like some of this could could be a metaphor for gentrification as well. Yeah, um, and how people yes. come into your neighborhood that you know you wouldn't expect to live in that particular neighborhood because someone's like you live here. He's like, yeah, oh, that's pretty cool. Like he thought it was cool that Sam, yeah. you know, lived in that neighborhood, and you know, for the longest she didn't feel herself to be a part of the block until she became like she's right. like, I live here, and they were sort of like, oh, well, we didn't know you were part of the neighborhood. If that was the case, we wouldn't have stepped to you in that way. <laughs> and so you know, later on when she talking to the cops she's like yes I know them they are my neighbors so like mm-hmm. what would it mean if people that actually infiltrated people's neighborhoods got to know mm-hmm. the people that were there before they might have a better respect for the yes. neighborhood that yeah. they're you know encroaching upon or you know without getting rid of the mom and pops and the you know and all these other things right yeah. so gentrification was also slid into there as well if you ask me <laughs> <laughs> so it would be good to see like what the what the reimagined block now looks like to mm-hmm you know several yeah. years later who's in the block right is right. the block still right. block right but we don't and it's not just sam either i mean it's like also the his name but he's the zoologist right so there's mm-hmm. mm-hmm. like joining them in and everything like that and like see right. and of course no one would like bet an eye um or people actually not bet an eye but more so like be surprised you know that they 
that you know these two live in the block, you know. Right. Um, so I would like to see, and I also start I forget what the line was where I did start to see. Well, maybe it is like that gentrification and like things being taken over and then being pushed out again when this is talking about you know couldn't wipe us out fast enough. That's where I started yeah. to think about the gentrification question because I was like, oh, is it talking about that? Yeah. Um, and everything like that. Yeah. No, that you bring up a, a brilliant point. Yes, and you, I don't know, we may have to talk about it more. Like, <laughs> you can also open up, yeah, I mean, absolutely open up an entire conversation too about gentrification and, you know, the things that in the film that point to that as well. So no, I do think that's a really good point. Um, any other final thoughts from either one of you as we wrap up our conversation? um i i do say that like sometimes films like this they do get under my skin because i still want to know does anybody know these aliens exist besides all the people that it happened to we don't ever find out like it's you know the police and whoever else all actually were like where's all this blood coming from and all the you know there were two kids killed what are you gonna do about these children who were there were two two or three people you know uh you know but you know dennis and jerome or somebody you know what happened to them and do we do we get reconciliation that they didn't just die in some you know street activity this was aliens you know and and there was a point in there because sam was like she said something and uh he said well it's not the violence in the movies. It's not a war. She was like, if it's a yeah. war, leave me out of it. He's like, this ain't a war. This ain't the violence on TV. This isn't the, you know, whatever you think it is. We're getting attacked here. Like, yeah. So I want to know, do people ever actually understand that there are actual aliens invading the Black? That's that's my yeah. final thought. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. Deb, I'll swing it over to you. You had me thinking, Katrina, because I'm like, what if they were the only ones that saw it? I mean... <laughs> <laughs> like and no one else could right. see it and it was, I was like oh, who knows <laughs> but yeah it definitely oh gosh I definitely to close I mean I just love seeing films like this highly recommend watching it like watching more films that have black and brown people and not dealing with trauma because <laughs> it's right. more than that there's way other stuff out there the harder they fall was such a great example <laughs> yes, literally exactly. incorporating yeah. everything that we love about westerns and putting yeah black people and, and brown people like yeah. at the forefront right. and yeah. representing mm-hmm. them and so i want to yeah. see more of that and yeah 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 and then see what happens in the second movie <laughs> right. right and then also making us the heroes like of our yeah mm-hmm. at the end there's yeah. just this like i mean they're shouting his name he's making this yes sacrificial move it's like yeah. like I you love to see it and I want to see more, yeah, you <laughs> more of us in sci-fi higher yeah. unknowns please especially black and brown people um yes I love seeing it I uh, am appreciative of both of you um you know for talking with me about you know about attack the block about you know uh themes and everything and then the plot of the movie and everything and just how amazing it is um so I got I'm glad we got to talk about this Thank you again so much, Katrina, for joining us for our talk. Um, Thank you. <laughs> absolutely. For listeners and um, anyone who's watching this, again, she's an assistant professor in the School of Communication at RIT. We always appreciate her thoughts about film and pop culture. 
Um, we also want to thank all of our viewers and listeners for your support of our Voices Project and our representation in Cinema Podcast. Uh, you can find us on YouTube, Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, um, or online or on our website at www.ourvoicesproject.com for more information about what we do. Sign up for our newsletter there and you can be the first to get notifications about podcast episodes um, and new projects. We're going to be talking about the movies uh, Fast Color, Passing, and Moonlight in the coming months. So be on the lookout for those coming your way soon. Um, you can listen to this podcast on Apple, Overcast, and uh, Pocket Cast, as well as viewing on our YouTube channel. This has been Jackie McGriff and Deborah Alvarez and Katrina Overby. Um, and thank you so much for listening and watching. And get out there and watch more films. Bye.